It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, Ulrich, I'm wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever that boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Here we go. Taking it home on a hump day, Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush. I am Brett Rupp, along with Adam Lundy, our studio producer. Hopefully we're getting to the end of this snow. Been a little treacherous this afternoon trying to get around the streets of Fort Wayne, but hopefully the street department continues to take care of the roads, get some of that salt on it so it doesn't freeze or refreeze and get the plows on some of those secondary roads because there's a few that do need it. And, of course, if you come up with any road conditions that you want to pass along, we'd love to hear from you on our Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. What kind of road conditions are you experiencing in your travels if you're out and about? Uh, maybe you're just hitting the road, heading home from work. For those of you that did have to go to the office or had to put in one of those nine to five days, we're glad you're here with us on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. Coming up this hour, we've got Greg Regstraw joining us coming up about uh, 15 minutes from now. But uh, last night, had a chance to watch some college basketball, including the Ball State Cardinals taking on Buffalo. That was a game at Worthen Arena where... You know, we felt pretty good about the Ball State Cardinals. They've they've had a couple of winning streaks. They uh, had themselves in good position in the MAC, and last night they got smacked by Buffalo. They got at home stampeded. They got stampeded. They got routed. They got blown out. Uh, not a good night for the Ball State Cardinals, losing ninety one to sixty five, giving up ninety one points on your home floor. And I will just tell you, if I was a Ball State fan, I'd have been livid last night because there was literally no effort. Some of their closeouts on three-point shooters was really soft. Not even, I mean, they would just kind of jog a step or two and then stop five, six feet away from the shooter. They, I mean, it was just a bad defensive performance by Ball State. No bounce, no energy. Looked like they had played three games in three nights. I mean, that's what they looked like. They just they just were lethargic. They were slow. They didn't have the energy that Buffalo has and that, had last night. And that's a shame because Buffalo is the top one of the top teams in the MAC. So you would figure and not that, had a great year. I mean, they're ten and ten. They're beatable this year, right? So you would figure that uh, Ball State would you know want to come into that game with a lot of effort. It's a team you should be fired up for because they they are Buffalo. They have had some success in the MAC. And yeah, Ball State just came out completely flat. Coleman had a good night. He uh, ended up, I think, with 27 points. But, you know, an example of the defense that Ball State played last night was Buffalo's top three-point shooter, a 39% three-point shooter, Curtis Jones. He got off 12 three-point shots. Now, the one thing is, 
you want to make a guy like that inefficient or you want to make him second guess taking the three and decking it. So you've got to have great closeouts. You've always got to stay within range of closing out and taking away that three-point line. And Ball State didn't do it. They let him shoot 12 times from three. He made five, right about his percentage, about what you'd expect him to make. Five of 12 from three. And, you know, that's 15 points that he scored from the three-point line where Ball State really wasn't even contesting some of the shots. I mean, some of them they just gave up on. They lost a man and they never, nobody closed out. I mean, it was just like, your, your problem, you clever him. You know, it's, <laughs> it was uh, not a good night for Ball State Cardinals basketball. And uh, they'll look to bounce back. They, uh, they take on Northern Illinois next. Northern Illinois uh, had the huge win over Kent State last night. That was a shocker. Kent State had only three losses going into that game against Northern Illinois. And by the way, Ball State at Northern Illinois is Saturday afternoon for you Cardinals fans. But uh, Kent State went into that game last night undefeated in the MAC, 6-0. and They, uh, I believe their only losses, now let me just double-check this. They lost, uh, let's see, they lost to Charleston, who is 21-1 this right. season. They lost to Houston, which has spent time as the number one ranked team in the country, <laughs> and they lost to Gonzaga. Not not bad. I mean, those are three pretty tough teams. They went to Northern Illinois uh, last night and got beat by Northern Illinois, eighty-six to seventy-six. They had gotten it to within, I think, three or four points late and then missed a couple of shots and Illinois made Northern Illinois made their free throws and so Northern Illinois with the big upset in the Mac knocking off Kent State 86-76 last night which actually helps Ball State cuz it tightens up the pack uh with the uh Kent State what are they Kent State let me let me look I'm going to try to cheat here and find <laughs> out I know what it is You do? I do, but I'm going to let you figure it out. Uh it's the Akron Zips it's the Kent State. I'm going to uh, give you a hint. There's a color. Kent State Golden Flashes. There you go. Okay. Did you look that up? No, I didn't. All See, right. There's nothing on there. No. Nope. Gold, no Golden Flashes. But uh, when you said that, that's what hit me. There you go. Um, all right. So 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine tax line. Last night, Pacers had a pretty remarkable comeback. It looked like they were well on their way to losing their eighth straight game. Down double digits against Chicago Bulls at home. And then they out took over this game late in the third quarter, uh, outscoring the Bulls in the third, 34 to 25, and then outscoring them 36 to 23 in the fourth quarter. And the Pacers come from down double digits. I don't know if it ever got to 20, but it was pretty close. They were down big in this game in the first half. In fact, the halftime score was uh, 62 to 46. Uh, Pacers were down, so they were down 16 at halftime. But they came back big in the second half. T.J. McConnell, Miles Turner, and Benedict Matherin lead the way. McConnell, 9 of 14 from the floor, had 20 points, 10 assists. And Miles Turner was 11 of 21 for 26 points with 7 rebounds. And Benedict Matherin off the bench, 10 of 17 from the field and 26 points as the Pacers snapped their Seven-game losing streak. Got a text on the uh, Parkview Sports Medicine text line that's a question for you, Brett. They say, the fan, uh, Brett, how much do they charge at the Gate Center to watch an IPFW game? And that's from Joe. I believe it's either 9 or 10 bucks. 
There you go. It's been a while since I've paid. Yeah. But I last time I looked, I think it, you can get in for like ten bucks. It might be a reserve seat, might be a couple of dollars extra. I took a look on the. But, there's, but here, here's this. Okay, the overall package. When you look at it, the ticket price is let's say it's ten to fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to be fair. But the concessions are like two or three dollars. Nice. Everything is two or three dollars or less. Um, the parking is free. No charge for parking. Yeah. So when you add up the total spend to go see a game at the Gate Center, you get a better seat closer to the action. The price is very affordable, but all of the amenities and the extras like the parking and the concessions that normally will add up quickly at some games, it's not going to happen when you have a game at the Gate Center. So, Yeah, and I, I took a look at their website, and I uh, what I see online, now it might be different at the gate, of course, at the, at the door, but uh, lower level reserved is $13, and the upper level uh, general admission is $8. So oh, okay. Go. 8 to 13 Yep, so you're looking at under $20 per person for the evening. Oh, way under way $20. Under. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, and the funny thing is the $8 general admission would be like, if you went to an NBA game, it'd be a $300 ticket. Yeah. If you went to a Hoosiers game, what do you think that ticket would cost you? Two, three hundred? Yeah, you're up in the hundreds. I mean, you're you're like 14 rows up. Yeah. From the court. So, yeah, I hope you come out and see us tonight at the Gate Center, Mastodons versus IUPUI. And uh, I'll just tell you, tonight, and, and you hate to use the term must win, but to me, this is a must win for the Mastodons. Not, and, and not because you're playing somebody for first place or anything like that. It's actually you're playing the team that's right now at the bottom of the Horizon League. They have not won a Horizon League game. You cannot let them get the first win by coming into your building and stealing one when you weren't ready to play. No. But it also is important for a number of other factors. Uh, number one, um, the Mastodons have to go and play a tough Cleveland State team on the road on Friday. The Mastodons enter tonight, 5-5 five and five in league play. You don't want to drop below 500. And if you lose this game, then you, you really get a true must win coming up on the road against Cleveland State team that beat you at home. And one of the reasons for that is because you want to keep yourself in the top eight and the top four, preferably, but the top eight gets you a home game in the Horizon League tournament. And so you want to get that home game. And if you look at the standings right now, a loss for the Mastodons could have them as low as sixth to ninth place by Friday. And you don't want to be in that that jeopardizing area no. of uh, maybe not, not even getting a home game in the Horizon League tournament. So they got to take care of business tonight. Um the uh, the other thing, too, is the Mastodons will be the first team to play IUPUI twice. And nothing against the Jaguars, but that's almost a game in hand because you, you have to assume that everybody you're chasing yeah. in the Horizon League standings is going to get a win against IUPUI. If there's an upset, great. If they knock somebody off, more power to them. But the reality is you have to assume a team that has not won through their first uh, 10, uh, 10 Horizon League games is not all of a sudden going to go out and start beating everybody at the top of the standings. And so the Mastodons playing IUPUI first out of the second round of 10 means the Dons will always have that game under their belt where all their opponents still have yet to play IUPUI. It's like having all of them having a game in hand, an opponent that they're going to play that you would expect them to beat. 
So uh, that makes it very important for the Mastodons. You're not going to get this one back if you if you lose it. So you got to take care of your business on your home floor and bounce back from that loss at Northern Kentucky on Saturday. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, taking you through this snowy Wednesday night. But we do have... College basketball, the hockey tonight did get canceled. So no Fort Wayne hockey night uh, on Wednesday night. No coverage after the Mastodons game tonight. But the Mastodons IUPUI is on at the Gates Center. Uh, Let's talk about all things Indiana sports right now. Joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is Greg Rakestraw. And uh, Rake, it seems like just yesterday these two teams were hooking up down in Indianapolis, but this is a little different team right now for IUPUI. It's hard to believe in a couple of weeks you change kind of your identity, but what I saw over the weekend was a different team than the one the Mastodon saw just a couple of weeks ago. I think the biggest difference is the return of a guy named John Agbuda. Uh, and, and John is a junior college kid. Is from the Bronx, about six foot five, and you can get away with a six foot five power forward in this league, and, and more and more these days in modern basketball, with the spacing and three point shooting. But John has brought another rebounder, another explosive athlete, and a guy that, that showed some confidence in knocking down some threes. So even though IUPUI has has not gotten a win uh, since you saw them, uh, with losses to Cleveland State, Oakland, and Detroit Mercy during that time, especially over the course of the last weekend, they were knocking down three-point shots at a much more regular clip, making seven in an overtime loss against Oakland, a game they should have won, uh, and, and then six uh, in the loss to Detroit Mercy, where Antoine Davis went off for 42 <laughs> points. The second time in three career games in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum that he has gone for more than 40, so note the other Horizon League teams. If Detroit Mercy somehow makes the conference semifinals, look out because AD likes that building. Uh, but IUPUI is playing better. Still a long way to go. and It'll be a tough test tonight uh, against the Mastodons. Yeah, but I do think shooting is contagious. And sometimes when you just get one teammate that gets a couple of drops, it makes everybody else better. Because it seemed like they were pressing a little bit. I mean, they know the stats. They know they're near the bottom of the entire country in three-point shooting. And I think a lot of times they were letting them go, just hoping they'd go in. But when you've seen somebody already drop a couple, it lets you just let it fly and not worry about it. And sometimes you become a better shooter because of it. Yeah, the one guy that's been pretty consistent is Vincent Brady, yep. the freshman from Cathedral. You know, he was named the Horizon League Freshman of the Week again this week. I think it's on the fourth different time. But he has won that award. Uh, and again, he's about a mid-30s three-point shooter. But he's the one guy you go, yep, I, I got a good hunch as to whether this one is going in or not. <laughs> the other ones are, are, are maybe somewhat more hopeful, although Egbuda's stats, again, are getting better. Other thing I'd add for IUPUI as well, uh, they were playing without both of the Gerard twins on Saturday. Armand and Armand have both been kind of sporadically in and out of the lineup for a variety of injuries. Unfortunately, on Saturday they were missing the game because of the passing of their grandfather and his funeral was that afternoon. I know that uh, Ahmad has been dealing with a concussion. Perhaps he is cleared by tonight's game. I would expect Armand to play tonight. So a little more to work with off the bench uh, for Matt Crenshaw in tonight's contest as well. Over the weekend, we did get the girls' basketball draw, and it's a totally different experience this year than it has been in years past. And I'm still trying to catch up to exactly the process 
because when you look at the regional sites, it looks like, okay, there's still, you know, a pair of regional games, but they're different classes, different teams uh, assigned based on locale. It, it's a different process that we're going through right now. How can you best explain this, Greg? You're the master of ceremonies when it comes to the IHSA <laughs> State Tournament. Please explain exactly how this tournament is now formatted after the changes last year. Sure. You're flipping the weekends. You're playing twice. So the same four teams or the same four sectionals will largely go to the same regional site that they did a year ago. Um, let, let me let me use the example I am most familiar. I tell you what, I'm going to use the example on the boys' side that would be most familiar to, to your listeners. Okay, sectionals five through eight that would go to Logansport. So there has traditionally been the two Fort Wayne sectionals five and six, and then you've got the North Central Conference sectional, Lafayette Kokomo group that Marion blends into as well, sectional seven, and the Hamilton County group of death in sectional eight that Zionsville is a part of. And so those same four teams will go to the same regional site in both girls and boys, and they will still draw. So it's not like five is guaranteed to play six. There's not a Fort Wayne 4A championship or seven will play eight. You still draw which one of the other three sectional winners you're going to play. But you are playing just one game at the regional. And those games are at one and four at some sites and four and seven at the other. Now you will go to the semi-state. There are eight semi-states, four north and four south, and they will all be 1A, 2A, 3A, 4 or 4A. Um, and then there will be another draw. So there was no draw after the regional pairings were announced. We will draw the semi-state participants. We'll draw the regional winners, the north and south, and 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. So there will be another pairing show for girls basketball, on Super Bowl Sunday at 3 for the boys on the day of the NCAA selection show. And I'm going to take a flyer. I'll probably do that earlier in the day to get out of the way of that one as well. Um, you know, with, with the NCAA pairings normally revealed at 6 or 6.30 yeah. on that Sunday, March 12th. But it's a one-game regional with two, team, with two games and four teams at the same site. And then it is a four-team, three-game Semifinals in the morning, championship at night for the semi-state. How'd I do? Pretty good. And that regional, we'll have the four teams, but there'll be two individual games that are by draw. And Because I did notice Huntington North sectional winner does not play the DeKalb sectional winner in uh, the 4A regional. But there will also be an award ceremony. You'll be declared regional champion just by winning Correct. your individual game. And so I guess there'll be net cutting, there'll be a yep. championship trophy, and then you start the process over uh, with the second game of the day at each of those sites. Uh, I did some research on South Bend, Washington, and it's kind of frightening uh, when you look at <laughs> what they've done to Indiana teams this year. I think the closest anyone has come to them is 15, and that was like the second game of the season. Um They've, uh, I think they've won eight games by 50 or more. This is a pretty dominant team. Is there anybody that you see as a true threat to South Bend, Washington, somebody that you think has a makeup that could give them some trouble in the path uh, through the tournament? Whoever comes out of the Hamilton County sectional. So, yes, South Bend, Washington is a prohibitive favorite. You're looking at about three or four major Division One recruits. They play on that team. Rashonda Jones going to Purdue, the Reynolds sisters. The assumption is one's a senior, one's a sophomore. They're going to follow big sis to Maryland. 
at, at this point in time. Um, they, again, they, it would be a surprise if they don't win it. The one thing I would say is that they do have the tougher path uh, because the top six teams in the state are all in the northern half of the bracket. Um, the team that was the highest-rated team in the southern half is Bedford-North Lawrence. They are seven. Bedford-North Lawrence has enough athleticism at the guard spot because they have two Division One recruits on their team as well that I think if they got to South Bend Washington State Championship game, they would keep it competitive because of what they could do defensively. Scoring points would be their problem, but defensively they got the athleticism at least to hang with South Bend Washington. In the northern half, whoever comes out of the Hamilton County sectional, Zionsville was rolling but has lost their last two games. Four of the top six teams in the state going into the weekend, HSC, Fisher, Zionsville, Noblesville, are all in the same sectional. So whomever were to come out of that, if they can get past, there are several good 4A teams in the Fort Wayne area, if they can get past Northrop or Snyder, they can get past Columbia City, Homestead, et cetera, from the other Fort Wayne area sectional uh, at the regional or semi-state round, I do think the Hamilton County team are winner, and again, I put Zions on Hamilton County, even though they are not, because they play all of those schools. I put that sectional eight winner as a team that would have a chance to compete with South Bend Washington. Uh, South Bend Washington played Noblesville uh, at the Sneakers for Santa event on Thanksgiving weekend and won by 21. That is a Noblesville team that every game is learning more about how to play without Ashland Shade. Mm-hmm. I saw them win the Hall of Fame Classic, and I was very impressed. So I do think that once they get past the sectional round, South Bend Washington will play largely competitive games. But I obviously think they're the favorite to win the 4A championship. Competitive relative to what they've done might be the game could be less than 20-point margin. Uh, the That's way. kind of my code for, for not a blowout, <laughs> but I'm not sure it's a nail-biter either. Yes, sir. They've just been so, so good. Uh, let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts and their head coaching search. Um, I don't know where this is heading or what the uh, end goal is for the Indianapolis Colts, and I start to get concerned that maybe this is a, I don't want to call it a charade, but it's a process that will eventually end and Jim Ursay getting his way and Jeff Saturday becoming the permanent coach. What are your thoughts at this point of the process? Um, we've never been through anything like this before. I think where the Colts have been so transparent as to those that they are interviewing, I don't think the Colts have ever embarked on a process like this where they have brought so many people into the building. I also think it's very interesting and unique that the Colts are not alone in this and that everybody in the National Football League that is on the coaching carousel is waiting for somebody. And I think once the first guy get hires or gets hired, then it will be a series of dominoes that jobs will start flying off the board at that point in time. Obviously, two more sets of coaching candidates, whatever two teams lose coming up this Sunday, that could be that trigger that sets that, that up. And do teams want to wait until after the Super Bowl? They want to wait two more weeks knowing that, hey, in January, yeah, you've got some time. Your scouting staff's going to go out and do their job. You don't have a head coach at the end of the world. You get to around the Super Bowl, and now you're two weeks out from, from, from uh, you know, the combine here in Indianapolis. Now you're behind the eight ball. You don't have your coach, you know, in place 
within the next week or two. So I honestly think what you will see is there will be a flurry of hires on Monday and Tuesday. And I do think that where other names end up going could have an impact on what the Indianapolis Colts do here. It's not just about Jeff Saturday. He's going to be a part of the process, but I still think I liken it to somebody in the last, maybe it was with Shannon last week, Think of this like a Democratic or Republican primary when they don't have the incumbent president. Like, you could have a, a, a clubhouse favorite with 25% of the popular vote. That's kind of where it is right now because of how many candidates the Colts have at, at this point in time. And there are similar scenarios playing out with other NFL teams right now, too. Speaking of that, Frank Reich, is he going to end up in Carolina? I think it's, I think it's possible. Um, again, people forget that he was a former Carolina Panther. He was on their original roster in 1995, um, you know, and he would be, I think he'd be different enough from Matt Rule, the guy with the college background versus the guy with the NFL pedigree, because that's often something you're looking to do. If you're going to go in one direction, your next hire tends yep. to go in the other. I still think Carolina might try to swing for the fences and get a more, dynamic hire, and that's not the bag on Frank. He's just a good, steady man, an absolute pro. He'd be different enough from Matt Rule. I'm not sure he'd win the press conference, which I think the Panthers are concerned with. So I think it's possible. I'm not sure I'd consider Frank the favorite down there. Be a good deal for Frank, though. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. He's got sure. his families in Charlotte, aren't they? That is correct. Um, but you got to remember that uh, you know Frank's going to be well compensated for a while. Take <laughs> another job, so he doesn't need to be in a hurry. He could spend time with the family and not have to worry about getting up and going exactly, to work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if he likes the fit, great. And if not, he can sit back and think about the meaning of life and, and be well paid nonetheless. A couple of good uh, conference championship games coming up this week. What are your expectations? Who do you like? I think, first of all, the two games are going to be fantastic. Um, and so I... Give me the Chiefs to find a way to beat the Bengals just because it was reversed last year in the same scenario. Now the Bengals have won three in a row. I think the Chiefs will figure out a way. If not, look out. We have a dynasty in Cincinnati on our hands. Um, on the other one, man, the Eagles are rolling. I, I, I just like what they're doing. And for as well as the Niners are playing, the Eagles have been the best team in the NFC from day number one, and I'm not sure that changes now. So give me a Philly and Kansas City Super Bowl. Give me the Andy Reid Super Bowl two weeks from Sunday. <laughs> How surprised are you or are you surprised of the success Nick Sirianni has had? Because, quite honestly, I didn't expect it. I, I thought they might have gone out on a limb on that hire, but he's been terrific in Philly. No, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't think he'd be this good in the second year, but I thought it was a great hire. I would sit in. The coordinator press conferences are on Tuesdays, and both listening to both he and Matt Eberflus, you're like, these guys are future head coaches. And again, it is much easier now for the for the offensive minded guy to get the job. You know, Matt almost kind of bucked the trend in getting a head coaching job. But Nick is a guy that is a very likable guy. I can see him with that youthful energy. And his, his football knowledge and IQ, I have zero doubt that he can command an NFL locker room. I guarantee you, if you ask every Philadelphia Eagle player whether they liked playing for Nick Sirianni, their answer would be something along the lines of they love playing for Nick Sirianni. So 
I'm always surprised when a guy in year number two takes his team to the championship game at number one seed. But did I think he'd be a successful NFL coach? Absolutely, I did. Greg, Greg Straw, always appreciate the time you spend with us. Uh, Rake, enjoy the rest of your week. Try to stay out of the snow and be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Take care, my friend. Talk to you soon. Yep, that is Greg Rakestraw joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Uh, of course, you can catch him on the ISC Sports Network, broadcasting uh, high school games all over the state, mostly through central Indiana. He's also the voice of the IHSAA Champions Network, he is the post-game voice for the Indianapolis Colts. Guy keeps very, very busy. Uh, Greg Regstraw taking time out of his Wednesday to join us here on the Sports Rush. We'll take a time out and come back. It is a snowy Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6, place to be every afternoon on your way home from work or... When you're just finishing off a weekday at home, maybe doing some remote learning, remote working. A lot of people didn't have to go to the office today, either uh, off work or greatly reduced workload because they were at home. In fact, uh, it's a good thing kind of the roads are quiet because I took most of the road coming in today with my fish tailing. I mean, that was, gosh. You know, overall... It wasn't terrible on main roads. Like, 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 to me, it's you've got the heart, the arteries, and the capillaries. Okay, the heart would be your main thoroughfares, east, west, north, south. To me, those roads, like the Clinton Lafayettes and, and Coliseum Boulevard, Lima, Coldwater, most of those, not too bad, right? When you get to uh, you know, the arteries or the main veins that, that branch off, it could be a little shaky at times. Hobson had uh, some, some rough patches. State Street, a little bit of rough patches here and there. But when you get to the capillaries, those extra streets that either go through the neighborhoods or, uh, in our instance, Hessen Castle, my gosh, send a plow out here and get Hessen Castle fixed. It is an absolute mess. It's got that, what it's got is it's got that center line of snow right in the middle. Uh, so it's, your car is going over a little, a little constant snow hill with your wheels on either side. Yeah. And so what it's doing is throwing your wheels right and left. Mm-hmm. And so you constantly feel like you're about to lose it on a fishtail. And I was going like three miles per hour. I mean, I really, I was, uh, I, I barely touching the accelerator just just to keep myself moving forward because every time I'd try to go a little faster, I'd start to, because that fishtail got worse the faster you went. It was, it took me 15, 20 minutes to go from McMillan Park out here to the radio station, which is a couple of miles. It was uh, a long trip in. But uh, anyway, 46862, worst roads you're finding, let us know so we can pass it along, 46862. Of course, heading out tonight to Gates Center for Mastodon's basketball. They take on IUPUI, their in-state rival. Uh, you know, Betty, I mentioned this earlier, Betty is uh, a huge fan of the program. She's a big Purdue fan. But Betty told me the other day, she says, I listen to the Pacers, the Colts, Purdue, IU, but I, I'm tempted to turn the radio off if you talk about the Mastodons. I said, don't do that. Why would you do that? 
And I'm like, educate yourself. Learn something about the Mastodons and then come out and check out a game. Because it's well worth the price of admission. Tonight, the Dons could probably use your support. I don't know what kind of crowd we're going to have. Of course, the students, having been cooped up all day with no classes, maybe the students will break out in big numbers. But um, for those that live right there near campus. But the, the reality is uh, uh, we need uh, we need all the support we could get. And if you, you get a chance to learn a little bit about this team, for instance, Jared Godfrey, one of the best all-time college basketball players in uh, history of the game. And I'm, I'm not overstating that. Look at the numbers. He's going to have John Conchar-like numbers when he finishes career his career as a Mastodon. 2,000 points, 500 rebounds, 400 assists, over 200 steals. Um, I mean, the numbers just add up, and there's very few college players that end their career at 2,500, 400, 200. So he's had a fantastic career. You've got a chance to see him now for like four more home games. Uh, tonight, IUPUI will have the broadcast starting at 645. 7 o'clock will be the tip right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Speaking of local basketball, last night quite a bit of high school basketball action of course, for girls basketball, it's the final week of the regular season, and we had some drama. Huge win for Columbia City over Northrop, a matchup of a couple of state-ranked teams, and the Columbia City Eagles got the victory over Northrop. I think you'd have to consider that an upset. I know in my book it's an upset. I would have said Northrop favored by six going into the game, and Columbia City got the win. 73 to 49 was, or 73 to 69 was the final. I was going to say that was uh, a very, sorry. very big win. I don't know them. why 49 came out. I looked at the number and it's 73 69 on my sheet, and somehow 49 came out of my mouth. You were thinking of the 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers. That's right. I'm still, still kind of debating my pick on the 49ers, but 73 to 69, it was Columbia City beating Northrop at Northrop last night. Of course, Columbia City's got a tough one. To open up their sectional play, they will take on Homestead at Huntington North in the first round of the sectional. And in between then, we've got Homestead and Northrop playing each other to decide an SAC title. And guess what? We've got all those games. We've got them all covered because we're going to be at the Homestead-Northrop game coming up this Friday. We've got full doubleheader coverage of Homestead-Northrop. This Friday night starts with the girls' game at 6 to decide the SAC. And then boys' action follows. And then uh, you can join us for the post-game show presented by Parkview Sports Medicine. Of course, all our high school basketball coverage all year long presented by Indiana Physical Therapy. And then next week, as we turn the page to girls' basketball sectionals, we will be at Huntington North next Tuesday night for the Homestead Lady Spartans and the Columbia City Lady Eagles. What a matchup that will be to open things up at Huntington North. That could be, ultimately, that could decide who wins the sectional. But uh, Huntington North might have something to say about it, playing on their home floor. But uh, we'll have that broadcast for you coming up next Tuesday night as well. Also, boys basketball had a bit of an upset last night as Bishop Dwenger knocked off Blackhawk Christian. Of course, Matt Kostoff always kind of figures things out as the season goes along. A lot of times, Bishop Dwenger gets a late start with practice because so many of the players on the Bishop Dwenger basketball team play football. 
And so they have to wait until they're done with football. Their bodies have recovered. They then can put their focus to basketball. And it seems like year in, year out, Bishop Dwenger turns it on when it gets to uh, February. And then they're a danger in March. And maybe this is a sign that Bishop Dwenger might even be ahead of schedule with a big upset win over the Blackhawk Christian Braves last night. Congratulations to Matt Kostoff and company. Um, we got to get a break in because we got to wrap this thing up. You know, I've got that treacherous travel to get across town and to try to make it out to the Gate Center before 645 so I can come on the air with Mastodon's basketball tonight. So we'll go ahead and take a timeout. We'll come back. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Final time, Brett Rump with Adam Lundy. And it's time for us to hit hit the roads. Sometimes it's not that exciting to finish the show when you know what you're going to be facing to get across town. Yeah, you got to get to the Mastodons game and... Uh... I got to get over to the other studio to press the buttons for it. Oh yeah, you've got a you've got a rough uh, My, commute to the next job. Yeah, it's going to be across the hall. It's going to be about five foot walk. Um, yeah, this would be one of those times where it'd been real nice to have the new building finished and uh, <laughs> with it. Well, the new building's right there off I sixty nine and yeah. Jefferson, and of course, you know, main roads not terrible, but our travel to get out here today on Hessen Castle was a nightmare. Yeah, I'm going to be taking the uh, main roads through, yeah, down, through I, downtown. Hessen <laughs> Castle, back. you can have it until I know that uh, the snow has thawed, and that might be a while. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a white knuckler at about three miles per hour, still having the back end of my SUV fish tailing left and right, trying to figure out if I want to be in the tracks or off the tracks. You know, sometimes driving on the snow is better than being on the pavement because the pavement looks wet, but it's black ice. Yeah, but today was a uh, stay in the tracks kind of day. Stay in the tracks and hope the tracks don't, you know, <laughs> yeah. weave your way. Because I did see a couple of cars ditch it. So hopefully everybody's had a safe day, kept themselves on the roads. Uh, of course, uh, the latest coming up tomorrow morning with. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 7 to 9 a.m., our local morning show where you get updated on all things Indiana sports. Of course, the Indiana Hoosiers taking on the mini ha-ha Golden Gophers. I shouldn't say that because you know what's going to happen. This is one of those games that historically, over the last four, five, six, seven years, Indiana will find a way to lose. Because just when you get the hype and you get everybody excited about Indiana basketball, they find a way to let you down. That's just been the pattern. I mean, it seems like every year they get themselves in a pretty good position. They get themselves on a run. It looks like, hey, they're going to have a good seed for the Big Ten tournament. And then and you feel like they're safely into the NCAA tournament. And then all of a sudden you start to ask questions. They start to lose more games. So tonight's game will be a defining moment for Indiana basketball. Because if they win and win convincingly, we can start to believe, okay, this team has found the secret sauce. They have, they have found how to play together, play consistently with effort. They should be able to lock down this Minnesota team. It is not a big offensive team other than uh, battle shooting threes. There's not much with this Minnesota offense. So uh, I, I, uh, I kind of feel like Indiana should win this game by 16, 17 points. I'll throw out a number. 
I'll say uh, 67-52. And I know that's 15 points, but I'll say, <laughs> I'll throw out my number, 67-52. Adam, do you think you can one-up that? Write these down so we've had have them tomorrow because this is bragging rights on the Thursday edition of the Sports Rush. Give me 74 to 61. Oh, you're going a little more offense. A little bit more, just a tiny little bit. A little tiny bit more. Uh, all right, so there you go. There's our there's our predictions for tonight. Let us know what you've got, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Mastodon's in action, Gate Center. It is Horizon League basketball. I'll tell you, this game is a big game for so many reasons. First of all, if you look at the standings, the Mastodons have to keep pace with the top half of the league because right now they're starting to get a little separation. And the Mastodons are right in the middle of that separation. In other words, there's a log jam around second and third place. There's a log jam around the bottom part of the uh, the standings. The Mastodons are in the middle of that. And if they win this game, they'll move closer to the top part. If they lose it, they'll move down toward the bottom part. And if they fall to the bottom part, what's at risk is they will have lost to IUPUI and everybody else that they're competing with will still have a game against the Jaguars because this is the first of the second round games. So the Mastodons play the Jaguars before they play anybody else. You have to win that game. You can't give that game up to the league, basically. And so this is an important one out at the Gate Center tonight, 645. We're on the air with a 7 o'clock tip at the Gate Center on campus tonight for Mastodon's basketball and pack the house, which we'd love to pack the house. I just don't know if we can get everybody to come out in this weather. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens out at the Gate Center tonight. Big thanks to our guests that appeared on the show. Of course, Dylan Sin, terrific as always, talking college basketball. And Greg Rakestraw. We're going to come back tomorrow, 4 to 6, take you home with a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush. Hope you're with us then. Until tomorrow, stay safe, stay out of the snow, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. This has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.